You are listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European-level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode number 103. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Jelena Levin and Pontus Böckmann. Sziasztok! Всем привет! Hey, sir, hey, son! Hey, welcome back, Jelena, we've missed you! Yeah. Where have you been? Oh, thanks, yeah. guys, I missed yeah. you too! Yeah, it's not the same without you. It's good to be back. Yeah, Yay. great. You know... Okay, where have you been? What have you been up to? Oh, I've been all over... No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nowhere exciting. But I am going to Mexico tomorrow. Yeah. Wow, good. <laughs> oh, then we won't have you again for a while. Is that so? For for one, I think for one, oh. yeah. Oh. But okay. anyway, I will be thinking about you. Mm. And th- I'm actually taking a course. I should be getting commission from them. Um, I've subscribed uh, to get some courses on the greatcourses.com. Yeah. Or .com.tk. And the one that I'm taking is called Introduction to Formal Logic. I'm taking two. And then Influence, Mastering Life's Most Powerful Skill. Oh. So I'll come back and be able to influence you all, guys. Ooh, let's be careful. <laughs> we have to okay. watch out for that. Yeah, we definitely <laughs> yeah. have to watch out. Okay. Yeah. Nice. You know, Andras, I was listening yeah. back to the previous episode. Yeah. And and you said that you were in Cambodia. And I looked, I, I sounded so fake surprised. So like, Well, like if he didn't know. <laughs> but I really had no idea that you were in Cambodia. So today I... Still don't know where you are, so do I dare ask where you are? <laughs> yeah, I'm happy to say that I'm actually in Hungary right now. Ah, oh, that's boring. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that it doesn't is. happen very often. <laughs> no, it it is going to happen a bit more often from now onwards. Uh, oh, but okay. I'm going back to Cambodia very soon in January, actually. Really? Wow. And I'm spending New Year's Eve in uh, Naples, in Italy. Wow. wow. You do get That's around. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, although I'm going to be working. Work. Yeah, I know, yeah. Working on your <laughs> mileage. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm working on my mileage. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, I have to, yeah. It, <laughs> it, it helps helps me pay the bills, mm-hmm. traveling that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good. But soon the campaigning is on and everything, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you get through. And, Even uh, if not, I, at least I I have the satisfaction that I tried. Hmm. So mm-hmm. it's not if 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 it doesn't happen, it's not for the lack of trying. Yeah, we will all vote yeah. for you. I don't know if it counts, but uh-huh. we will. Hmm? Well, since it's a local, I mean, I mean, in Hungary, um, you don't have much of a say. But yeah, 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 it's very nice to hear that. Anyway, I'll send my vote anyway, and they can toss it if they want to. <laughs> thank you, thank you. W- yeah, when yeah. when when will you know? Uh, well, so the so the election day is probably the eighth of April. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first of April, eighth of April, uh, some some time around that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, running up to that, there there will be a lot of campaigning. That's not a lot of time to campaign, actually. No, 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 no. But I'm very happy about that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fine. <laughs> There's a lot to do. Well, good luck. Definitely. And I'm and I'm still not not not, not giving up anything else. So uh, mm, mm. yeah, that means that my my skeptical activism and and doing this podcast is is still a priority. So good. Okay. Um, any other news around? 
Yeah, I just wanted to quickly mention um, somebody who got in touch with us recently. It's one of our listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, he is um, a listener from Czech Republic. His name is Pavel, and uh, he emailed us recently to um, uh, bring our attention to his blog that he started. Um, and he specifically writes about the Chinese medicine in Czech Republic and uh a somewhat worrying development uh, there um, to say that the uh, Senate has granted Chinese medicine the status of a medical field, Oof. thus favoring Chinese healing um, mm-hmm. par- on par with the real medicine. Um, we will link to his um, blog on our podcast. It's a skeptic peaker, uh, but I'll, I'll, yeah, like I said, I'll, I'll link, mm-hmm. uh, I'll link Better to link it okay. Um And um, yeah, it's... It, Obviously, not great news <laughs> um, for Czech Republic. Yeah. I guess it's great news for Chinese medicine. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, he will be sort of documenting other other things uh, on this blog um, about skeptic-related um, topics, uh, Ch- Czech Republic skeptic-related topics there. Mm-hmm. So, and it will be all in English, so, which is yeah, great. Good. It's always great to to hear from our, our listeners. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, someone else got in touch with us just to point out that we presented Claire Klingenberg on episode ninety three as the chief organizer of the European Skeptics Congress. And I mean, what we meant to say was that she is the person who we have been mostly in contact with. She's been our main contact all along. Of course, there was a lot of other people behind that really fantastic event, not at least from the Polish skeptics. Uh, so, but please continue to get in touch with us if you have any comments or questions. We all love the the feedback that we get. Yeah, or absolutely, or like Pavel did, bring our attention to um, any uh, publications you might have out there or resources that people can uh, find online um, from different European countries. That's always helpful. Yeah, please do that. Yeah. People can do it via various ways, um, or one of which is emailing us, which is info at theesp.eu. Um, they can also go on our website, and the website is www.theesp.eu, and uh, fill in the contact form there. You can like us on Facebook, and also um, you can follow us on Twitter, and Twitter handle is at espodcast underscore eu. Also, if you get our podcast on iTunes, please don't forget to leave us a review. We always appreciate it, and it helps us to become more visible yeah and if you really want to help us you will go to patreon.com slash the esp and pledge to to uh, give us a euro or two for every episode we put out uh, that would be very he- uh, helpful and of course we also have the the events in europe page uh, on our uh, uh, web page which you we want you to check out where you can see everything that goes on in the skeptical uh, europe oh yeah yeah and by the way yelena try as we may we can never present these details as nicely as you can <laughs> so when you're not you're not around we we're always in trouble <laughs> isn't that so yeah, absolutely we we have no idea how to contact us <laughs> <laughs> no, but really, we had we had a hard time trying to put it together. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and there is one other thing, definitely at least, that Yelena is very good at, and that is presenting our segment called "This Week in Skepticism." 
So the, the week that our episode airs is between 11th and 17th of December. But uh, what I have realized, actually, the, the person who I want to talk about possibly might have been born or might not have been born on that date. But hey, I'm going with that date. So there you go. <laughs> That's good. Depending on the source, either the 14th or 21st of December, I choose the 14th, um, of 1503, uh, Michel de Nostradamus was born, better known as Nostradamus who was a French physician and reputed seer who published collections of prophecies that have since become wildly famous. He is best known for his book Le Prophetis, ah. which means prophecies, basically. If somebody didn't get the translation of that. Um, and it, it first uh, appeared in 1555. Now, we probably all have heard of uh, Nostradamus in our lifetime. Um, well, I certainly have. Whenever a big event occurs... People would normally say, oh, yeah, Nostradamus totally predicted it. And they would go to his book and find something that will indicate uh, that he has predicted this or the other. Um, however, um, when one would look at his writing, uh, one would uh, notice that a lot of the stuff that Nostradamus has written um, was written in a very flowery and sort of vague language using very general words that um, you can make up to be whatever you want it to be. And it's in interesting that no one ever was able, after reading his uh, predictions, say this is what's going to happen. Nobody could guess what he meant by it. And only after the event occurred, it became apparent, ah, you know, we now can look at his uh, uh, predictions and say that's what he meant. And that's not really that great. <laughs> no, that's not how it the should prediction... work. No, it's not. <laughs> that's not how it's supposed to work. Yeah, the prediction that only kind of makes sense after the event happened isn't really much of a prediction at all. And uh, of course, there's a lot of followers who would say, you know, well, what do you know? <laughs> hate is going to hate and all that kind of thing. But um, you have to be um, skeptical about his abilities. And um, some people say that actually what he did do, um, he... It's one of the theories. I, I'm not sure whether it's right or not, but, it, you know, it's worth considering that he um, used to um, look at what happened in the past, the history of what already happened, and um, use it as a projection to the future, uh, thinking that all the events will um, occur again and uh, the history will repeat itself. Um, one of the most famous things that he's apparently predicted uh, was 9-11. And as our good friends at Snopes um, proven, that was um, complete and utter hoax, and that's not true. Um, so what happened was that they attributing the um, predictions to Nostradamus that weren't actually his words at all. It was uh, an example that a student in one of the universities in Canada ha have... Um, used in, in his paper when he was say, uh, talking about Nostradamus and how easy it is to just um, basically fabricate a prediction, Nostradamus-like prediction. And so he used the, this verse in his paper um, and that lately, later was spread um, as, as Nostradamus's prediction of 9-11. And I guess it, it, it's a tricky subject because I think if you believe in prophets, and if you truly believe that Nostradamus was uh, predicting the future, you can go and read his stuff and make it fit into the reality. Um, 
And similarly, if you are skeptical, you can go and say, go away and analyze his writing and say, well, actually, it doesn't make much sense, and 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 this is all very general. So, <laughs> I'm I'm probably on the skeptic side, and I'd, I'd I'd probably say that a lot of what he says, especially if it's all general words, can be um, made to fit reality uh, post events. And um, I think it's just human nature. We want to believe that there are people out there who can predict um, terrible things and and catastrophes and wars, etc., so that we have some sort of control and sort of better understanding. But the reality <laughs> is often very random and unpredictable, and we should um, try to learn to live with it rather than assign gift, certain gifts to people who don't really have them. So yeah. Sure, fully I mean, agree, yeah. And especially, it doesn't make any sense to do it in retrospect, right? So it's 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 a, it's, a, it's not like he... it's a constant frustration that I should have known. Yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, I would understand if somebody would read his writing, you know, his books, uh, and go, "Okay, well, he predicted this event. We know it's going to happen on so- on certain date. Let's." You know, let's do something about it. Let's try yeah, to yeah, stop yeah, it. Let's tr- try yeah. to let's try to mitigate the damage. You know, so not um, the case. But that, <laughs> but it, and it, it's been what over five hundred years. We we had lots of time to prepare <laughs> yeah. to, for yeah, certain yeah. events. Yeah. Let's. Yeah. It's not like he published it yesterday and then today we had to. Mm. You know, um, but it, it hasn't happened and uh, it, it never proven to work nobody ever figured it figured it out actually amazing randy um had a stab at it he uh, he published a book called the mask of nostradamus where he mm. um debunks um, <laughs> one of his, his predictions many, many books. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, and he probably probably I haven't read that book unfortunately myself, but I'm, I'm I'm assuming he probably did a good analysis of of the predictions. So as 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 we are aware, there are many more people out there still alive today who claim to be um, prophets and be able to predict the future, but um, so far. I am not aware of anybody, for example, who predicted the lottery numbers. No. Come on. I'm not convinced either. No. That's what I would have done if I could predict the yeah. future. But would you tell anyone? Let's be honest. Mm. Yeah. Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. No no, uh, no offense. You know, that's that's where the, the name fortune teller comes from. Yeah. 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 Tell where the fortune okay, is. Yeah. yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. Never mind. It was a bad one. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. A really bad attempt. Well... Anyway, no. thanks very much, Yelena. <laughs> <laughs> Pleasure. I suggest we move on to our uh, next segment, which is the news items. I'm talking about a couple of interesting stuff uh, from around Europe. I'd like to start with one uh, that I'm not actually going to cover. Um, and the reason for that is because uh, I just realized that um, uh, I I have no means to translate it uh, properly. So I read something on the Skepticos website, which seems very important. Mm-hmm. And the title is, and it's, it's an exemplary decision in court, and it has something to do with uh, a decision that has been re- re- uh, revoked and a fine doesn't need to be paid to to someone who's been accused of uh, uh, of uh, applying quackery and that is seems like a very important things but i have to do a bit more research and i'd like to ask for our spanish listeners and our spanish friends to to help me out with that before before we cover it in in a bit more detail yeah 
right? Yeah. Apart from that, there is a recurring topic, I think, on this episode and, and actually in this uh, whole uh, podcast history, and that is vaccinations. So the, the this item yeah. is about uh, Romania. Uh, where I've read new statistics about the vaccination rates uh, against measles. And and you know that there's a big problem with measles at the moment, and the biggest prom- problem is in Romania, as, as well in, in Europe, but Romania is really the worst. Uh, the latest info from October that I have now read is that among children, the vaccination rates are between like 30 and 40%, depending which age category you look at. Uh, in some geographical uh, areas, it's even below 30%. And this is really, this is a disaster in my opinion, because the herd immunity rate, as we have talked about before, is 95%, meaning that th- that is the level you have to be at to keep the, the, the measles under control. Uh, because it's so very, very contagious. You have to be above 95%. So being around 30, 35, uh, 30, 35, 40%, that's almost, uh, well, worthless, in my opinion. Yeah. Bad. It's really is worrying, isn't it? Um, I mean, so after me and Pontus went to the conference in Sofia, in Bulgaria, and talked about vaccination, um, there was some feedback uh, from some of the people who attended the conference saying, why do we need to know? We know vaccines work. Why do we need to know about anti-vaccination movement? And I think people who do know that about vaccines and then they work and then they vaccinate their kids should still be aware of how much damage is being done right now in this day and age by anti-vaccination movement and how it's actually potentially threatening all of us. Because yeah, it does, because we it, must remember that there is always some uh, children or people who cannot be vaccinated, yeah. either because they're too young, you know, like you're th- two days old or something, or you are oversensitive against something and you or you have other conditions that, that makes you not, uh, well, you can't get the vaccine because it would be dangerous. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think we, we're now at this stage where we have to proactively maybe even confront people who... If we overhear somebody saying, oh, I don't think vaccinations work, or if we know someone who has that opinion, maybe try to approach them and um, reason them and yeah. um, convince them otherwise. Yeah. It's hard, though, if they are very convinced. It is. It is hard. And also, I don't like confrontations. <laughs> I don't remember. Do you, do you remember how many countries have uh, mandatory vaccination against measles? Uh, I, in, it's in Europe, uh, ten, ten no, or twelve, or something like that. Okay. Yeah. About a third yeah. of the countries. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually remembered half, but anyway, mm. my and you have to you have to uh, vaccinate in two stages actually. The, yeah. Uh, here in my country, in Hungary, we have we have it uh, usually at the age of fifteen months, and then at the age of uh, eleven years. Oh. So. Yeah, it, it it has to be repeated, and, and that gives you a lifetime. I said, oh, uh, because I thought that was a bit later than I thought, but I haven't read up on it. I thought it was earlier. Before yeah, the, fir- the first one is 15 months. Yeah. I thought in, actually... In yeah, oh, in Hungary, I understand. But yeah. I think in many other countries, the recommendation is before you, you turn one, and then it's like, in my memory, it's like eight or nine for the second one. 
But you know, I'm, you know, uh, yeah. The, the the difference between Hungary and several other countries is that in Hungary, that that is not a recommendation; that is mandatory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm proud of that. Okay. Me, 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 and Andres Pontes are on the same page. I don't know about you. As long as it works, I'm fine with it. But I, I am skeptical. (laughs) We, uh, we, 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 we differ in our opinions on whether vaccination should be mandatory or not. I am of uh, an opinion that it should. Um, so this is something that came to my attention via the exo.org website. Um, and it's the fact that Peter Bagosian uh, is going to be touring Europe or would like to tour Europe actually with, um, our f- help or help of the organ- skeptic organizations around Europe. Claire uh, Klingenberg, who is a chair of uh, EXO, um, is, uh, has published recently um, a statement on, on, on their website um, saying that he would like to come to Europe and give talks and tour um, and talk about his uh, street epistemology um, method. And this is, um, he's written a book. Uh, called Manual for Creating an Atheist. I don't know, guys, if you're aware. It's um, it's a manual, obviously, to how, of how to talk to um, believers about their beliefs in a very respectful way. And I think it's actually uh, quite a good tool, and it not necessarily needs to be used just with religious people, but um, uh, he takes some of the philosophical principles and the ways of questioning other people's beliefs and opinions and trying to apply it... Um, in this way, um, I have I haven't finished this book. I have started it as many other books, <laughs> and uh, it's a, it's a very it's a very accessible read um, for those who who would like to to give it a go. And at QED uh, that took place in October in Manchester that we have all attended. There there was a um, workshop that was uh, held by Anthony Magnabasca about street epistemology, where he uh, was talking about the methods and how to talk to people. And um, I think it's a great tool because a lot of the time we kind of we have the knowledge, we have the sort of the expertise and the, and the right information, but we're just lacking this ability to engage with people in a way that makes sense and in a way that that um, is respectful in a way that yields some results and makes the other party to think about their position. Um, and that's what kind of became apparent to me, actually, at this <laughs> Uh, at this workshop that this is a lot I still need to learn about mm-hmm. it um, so that's um, Peter Bagosian and uh, if anybody would like uh, anybody from European skeptic organizations or if, even if you're a, a person a, an individual uh, who would like to host and put a talk up for for the Peter Bogosian, please get in touch with Claire Klingenberg. Um, we will link to the uh, article and to her email address in our show notes. And also give us a shout if you, if you want any more information on that. I have a follow-up from a previous really wrong segment from episode 97. This was about the EU Parliament, uh, who was suggesting a ban on glyphosate. Uh, which is the active substance in the herbicide Roundup. And I said that was a bad idea and gave them a really wrong price for that. Well, uh, it turns out uh, that it ended up better than expected because the EU Commission's Appeal Committee decided to go against that recommendation and has now prolonged uh, the license for another five years. Should be noted, though, that France has decided on their own to phase out glyphosate over three years but it could have 
ended worse. Uh, but it didn't go well over well for everyone, did it, Andras? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> no. Um, well, there is a, a poor minister of agriculture in Germany, um, in representation of uh, CSU, which is which is one of the the Christian parties um, in government, and <laughs> he has been getting a couple of insults and threats on social media after he voted in favor of uh, the use of the, the five-year um, extension of the use of uh, glyphosate across Europe. And this met some criticism not only from from their own people, because uh, the environment minister, Barbara Hendricks, was against the extension. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, and by the way, by the way, uh, this was uh, reported on by the Zeit online. Uh, this is a German news outlet, and uh, it the, the vote took place in the European Commission, and uh, well, uh, it met some criticism from other countries as well, because, for example, uh, their French counterparts uh, criticized their uh, their uh, their action as well because they were hoping that uh, Germany would would go along with them and and uh, vote for the the banning of it, hmm. uh, just like the the French uh, people uh, the the French people did. Uh, by the way, um, in a tweet, uh, French President Emmanuel Macron said he had ordered a ban on the use of glyphosate in France. Oh. As soon as alternatives are found and within three years at the latest. Okay, that's how they phrase it, yeah. Oh, yeah. So um, that is that is an interesting uh, choice of words. Mm. But the interesting part of that uh, of that is that activists are showing a whole lot of anger towards this decision and uh, what what you mentioned about the European Parliament was backed by so that the whole thing started with a European citizens initiative mm. so there was an initiative called stop glyphosate that was received by the European Commission on uh, the 6th of October and it was really uh, a huge initiative with over one million citizens from at least seven member states calling on the ban of glyphosate. Uh, so this really meant, this decision by the European Commission, this really meant that it was going against public opinion and, and the, the public outcry about glyphosate. And they they went along with the science instead of the public opinion. Which was good, which they should be applauded for. <laughs> That's the way yeah. to go, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is. But do you remember what uh, Sophie Van Tornut said mm-hmm. about, I think it was about GMOs. I think yeah. it wasn't about glyphosate, it was about GMOs. That when she came across that, that issue and, um, and a, a European parliamentarian, I, I don't remember at what rank, uh, she, she, they, they showed um, a lot of research and and lots of papers that that showed that there was no link between any diseases and any kind of uh, carcinogenic effects and and GMOs. And 
the re- response was that yeah we we've known about this for long but we cannot go against the public opinion because hmm. uh, yeah because essentially they they've been elected by the public and if, yeah. yeah yeah so i i would say that this was a very bold and and very brave uh decision decision to make yeah. by them. but uh when it comes to um the uh, economic uh side of this and mm. the the econom- economic point of view mm. it makes a lot of sense it's just and and this is why uh, if you remember what i said about that uh, about emmanuel macron that as soon as an alternative is found and within three years at the latest the problem is that there are no real alternatives there are no alternatives so are, not, yeah. not not better there are yeah. there are alternatives but they are worse much worse yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, by the way the european commission website has a lot of information about this whole issue the the whole glyphosate there is a f- there are fact sheets there are um a lot of things covered and it's a whole there's a whole timeline of how the the, the case developed so it's 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 worth having a look at and uh, we can we can link to that on the on the show notes absolutely all right next item in the uk sense about science which we are all a big fan of mm. uh, yeah now that we mentioned sophie yeah uh, yeah sophie <laughs> working for that yeah uh, they have announced this year's john maddox prize oh yeah and wouldn't you know it it's about vaccines again mm-hmm. said it was going to be a theme uh, <laughs> and the price goes to Doctor. Yeah, the price goes to Doctor Riku Muranaka uh, from Japan for her relentless fight against the, the misinformation campaign against the HPV vaccine. This is a vaccine given to women and especially to to young girls, so that they get immunized before getting sexually active. And this in turn is because uh, HPV infection may lead to uh, cervical cancer. Uh, I think it's not strange that linking young girls with sexual activity may cause resistance in certain communities. And there is a very persistent campaign in several countries claiming that it is unsafe, which there is no scientific proof for at all. Uh, The recommended vaccination rate is 80 to 85%. Uh, but in Japan, it has gone from 70% a couple of years ago to less than zero, less than zero because of these campaigns. Wow. And in Europe, it's the same story. Well, not exactly the same story, but there, there are consequences in Europe as well. Uh, some countries has in Europe has uh, gone from uh, good to bad. Denmark is just over 60% at the moment. Ireland is around 50%. So uh, uh, this is a fight that we need to fight. So uh, it's a good uh, award to be given. And I hope it will help to to uh, turn the tide a bit. But it's difficult. Yeah, it is. I mean... Uh, I- Personally, I, I was never uh, given this vaccine, but I would have jumped on the chance to, mm-hmm. if 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 it was ever available in Latvia when I was growing up. Yeah, no, it's fairly fairly new, I believe. Um, yeah, I think it's a few years old. My two daughters were among the first to get it here in Sweden, uh, and um, yeah, we of course didn't hesitate uh, at all. And there's a ridiculously large public outcry about it, and. 
uh, yeah, I recently had a, a gynecologist uh, in in one of my groups, and we had a bit of a chat because I I t- tend to jump on the the opportunity to talk to <laughs> talk to someone about uh, stuff that I'm interested in if if there is someone an expert in the group, and um, yeah, and she said that uh, if I remember correctly that there are uh, 15 strains of the the virus that they can vaccinate against. Mm-hmm. Uh, by now so this is a very good level of protection yeah i mean pff, that is pretty good there's also been discussions about vaccinating uh, boys as well because yeah. even if they yeah. can't get cervical yeah. cancer they help spreading the virus so why yeah. not yeah. this is what she said as well yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we are going to portugal good for us well it actually it started it's not it hasn't started in portugal it started in uh around the world, um, I believe. Um, this um, news item is about um, net neutrality, which we are becoming more and more aware of um, as the uh, story develops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so net neutrality is the principle behind a set of Federal Communication Commission regulations enacted during the Obama administration, mandating that the internet service providers treat all online platforms, content and users equally. Um, simply put, the rules keep providers from setting fees and trans, uh, transmission speeds that favor some content source over others. And the proponents say that the, uh, this ensures fair competition and, and guarantees um, unimpeded access to all legal platforms and, and content for all users. So this is um, uh, this is what net, net neutrality is, and um, the. Uh, the, the the fear is that it will be um, the, the, that neutrality will stop being the the thing, um, because apparently current Trump appointed uh, FCC chairman is critical of it, um, saying it is overly restrictive and um, uh, unnecessary set of regulations that is akin to micromanaging the internet, so uh, that it needs to be removed basically, but. Um, what? How does Portugal come into the whole thing? Because it's coming from America. Um, well, uh, it has been pointed out on the internet or on Twitter, uh, for this matter, um, that Portugal is an example of what would happen if uh, net neutrality wouldn't exist. And um, uh, it's been picked up by a couple of the uh, online magazines um, and spread um, on the internet. And this uh, article claims that... Um, Portugal hasn't got net neutrality and uh, internet providers do whatever they want there. Um, and again, our friends from Snopes did analysis of it and they're saying that this claim is mostly false. Um, and uh, the reason why it is false is because by virtue of its membership of the European Union, Portugal does have net neutrality regulations. Um, and... Um, uh, whatever advertisement people were referring to when this f- false article was circulated, um, really it just relates to some add-ons um, and not substitutes for the um, uh, internet plan- uh, access. So um, it's it's an important conversation to be had. And um, as far as I know, and as far as I understand net neutrality, it's a good thing and we need to fight for, for it to stay. Um, uh, we need to be aware of the misinformation that's being spread uh, at the moment about several 
you know, instances like the one in Portugal. Um, and yeah, keep our um, ear to the ground kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, so, so if we lose net neutrality, and I don't know what happens if they lose it in the US, what happens in, in Europe, but if you lose net neutrality, internet service providers will be able to charge you extra if you want YouTube as well, you know? They, so, uh, it's, so, every, it's everything, it's it, not just YouTube. No, no, it's, it's an example. So, so they say, yeah. you, we will sell you this package, WhatsApp, but if you want yeah, YouTube yeah. as well, it will go there. We will sell you this yeah. package, but that will not include yeah. uh, right. Netflix. Or you can sell Netflix right. without selling anything else. And that would actually, you, you know, if you do yeah. think about it, that, that kills the internet because the internet is about accessing everything and not having to then it becomes like a, a you know a, any kind of tv channel that you buy and you have yeah, to buy yeah. them all so you have to like pay extra for twitter and, and yeah Facebook, exactly exactly that would be terrible so portugal doesn't have that problem yet no don't listen to whatever people say on the internet <laughs> <laughs> doesn't mean that they're not gonna have it <laughs> I think that's it about the news items for this week. But, as always, we do have someone who's been really wrong lately. And I'm pretty sure that Pontus is eager to share that with us. Yes, I am. So, as promised, we're back to vaccinations. <laughs> <laughs> Over the you, year... do, you do like this topic. <laughs> reoccurring theme. Over the years doing this show... Uh, I think listeners will have uh, learned that I personally have developed a, an opinion that anti-vaccination propaganda is one of the most serious issues for skeptics to deal with. Um, uh, Excuse me, can I just mention something? Mm -hmm. That you use the expression over the years of producing this show. <laughs> yeah, two <laughs> years. Just, two years. Yeah, just so <laughs> casually. That, uh, I'm, I'm very just, proud of that, actually. I just, could, I just couldn't help but notice that, <laughs> that it was... <laughs> And it was actually true. It is okay. true. Sorry, go on, please. Yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, there are always new anti-vaxxers popping up all the time. It's even more unfortunate when it's someone that people have great respect for. So, you know, it's bad enough when it's a celebrity like Jenny McCarthy or Jim Carrey. But how about when it's Nobel Prize winners? Blogger Orak has given a special name for when lo uh, Nobel laureate starts to push pseudoscience. He calls it the Nobel disease. Orak's real name is Dr. David Gorski, and he blogs at Respectful Insolence. We have uh, we had the pleasure of meeting him actually in person at we QED did. in, in, in October. Yeah. Oh yeah, and he also blogs for science-based medicine together with Steve Novella, Harriet Hall, and other uh, prominent skeptics. But on uh, respectful insolence, he's made us aware of yet another Nobel laureate who has gone over the rails. And I'm talking about the French professor Luc uh, Montagnier, who has uh, been a, uh, awarded the Nobel Prize for discovering the HIV virus. He recently held a press conference together with Henri Joyeux, who is uh, a cancer researcher also have received awards, no Nobel Prize, but still. The press release uh, following that press conference starts with the words, and now I quote, We are not against vaccinations, contrary, contrary to what has been said in the media. Uh, end quote. Uh, you know, every time somebody starts with that, 
they are really against vaccinations. I'm sorry. <laughs> that, that's how that's how you declare how, that you're against vaccinations. <laughs> yeah. So they argue in in their uh, uh, press release that some vaccinations in children are okay, but there are many problems with them, and they start to list those. Uh, uh, one thing that they argue for is that vaccines can be responsible for SIDS or sudden infant death syndrome. Hello, we just got, went through that on episode 101. I think maybe they should listen to our show. <laughs> uh, I did I just say that a Nobel Prize winner should listen to us to learn something? Well, I guess so. Yes, you did. Yep, yep. <laughs> Quite rightly so. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> then they mention autism we know that's not true they they mention support for the film vaxxed oh, yeah, yeah. and they talk about something called dna teleportation which i assume is a real thing well it's it's a real concept but it has been debunked uh, i think that the best way to get the counter arguments for all of this uh, is uh, to go to orax blog and we will link to that Go there and check if his arguments makes more sense than Professor Montagnier. <laughs> uh, I think they do. Wow. What did we come to? <laughs> yeah. But actually, it's not the first time that uh, Luc Montagnier d d does or says something that absolutely doesn't make sense. Oh, really? I did not know that. What? what? Uh, because he was, I, I think he gave a speech speech um, at the Lindo Nobel Laureate meeting in Germany in 2010 and he said something about a new method for detecting viral infections that bore close parallels to the basic tenets of homeopathy ah uh, yeah and that was really uh, referenced on many occasions by homeopaths and they they referred back to him Mm. as someone who, who backed up homeopathy scientifically. Yeah, that's true. I remember now that you say it. I didn't recognize his name, but now that you say it, uh, yeah. I remember that. Shit. Uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, there are reports on, on the, the fellow Nobel laureates uh, just shaking their heads in disbelief <laughs> that, yeah. that he, was, he was just promoting quackery. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, <gasps> yeah, it's not the first time. Yeah. So to end this, for falling for the Nobel disease, Luc Montagnier, Nobel Prize winner and discoverer of HIV, gets today's prize for being really wrong. Oh, too bad. Ow ouchie. Ouch. <laughs> you know, it must be interesting because, of course, there, and he's not the only one. Uh, the, the most famous example is probably Linus Pauling. Mm, yes, of um, course. C, vitamin C. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it must be the same kind of thing that that all the celebrities and superstars and politicians suffer from. Yeah. Is that when you go too high and you're too high that you 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 just can't imagine that whatever you say is not is is probably yeah. not true or it can be wrong. Whenever it's, everybody uh, listens to everything you say and look up to you, you start to believe that everything you say is true. Exactly, exactly. And that's that's something that you have to remember and start r reminding yourself of before you get there. 
So, so when you're there, you actually can 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 remind yourself that oh, okay, okay, I know, I know this is probably false, because everyone cheers me, everyone thinks I'm right all the time, so there must be some something must be wrong here. <laughs> so, yep, yeah, that's that's what I suggest everyone today. Although it was us right now suggesting that uh, Luke Montagnier should listen to our podcast. Because we're so good. No, we don't want to sound arrogant, do we? You know, if we are wrong, if we are wrong, tell us. Let us. And Let we us will. Know. And test us. You know, will we go back? If we say something wrong, will we admit it on air? It's a challenge. Let us know. Oh, we, we will admit it uh, while we're recording. And when I'm doing the, 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 the post <laughs> and doing the editing, I'm just going to get rid of it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding, obviously. Okay, thanks very much, Pontus. Thank you. And yeah, before I say something, uh, something stupid again, uh, I think we should we should end the show. Ah. But uh, the <laughs> best way to end it is always uh, with a quote presented by our wonderful Yelena. Oh, well, thank you very much. And the quote today uh, comes from uh, Emmanuel Kant who was a German philosopher. I had a, I had a quote from him a couple of uh, episodes ago. But anyway, there's another one. Yeah, and I remember us, us, us cheering over over you saying her, his name, yeah? Oh, yeah, because yeah, we're yeah. so mature. mature. We were so, so mature. mature that we were just cheering. Uh, you said the word can't. Huji, um, this is another quote. It goes like this. All our knowledge begins with the senses, proceeds then to the understanding and ends with reason. There is nothing higher than reason. Woo. It is definitely a different quote. Okay, yeah, it is. <laughs> I think I think the other quote was a little bit more convoluted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. But so. this this one this one plain and simple says that reason. Reason is, is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the, the moment I love the most is is when we we start commenting on these quotes and it. I like. Why do we not even do any this? Sense. <laughs> why do we? <laughs> let's like not let's like not do it just say the quote goodbye see you later like <laughs> okay 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 uh, next time God. next time next time uh, not now okay <laughs> it's too fucking late now <laughs> it is spoiled it <laughs> but i would like to thank both of you for joining for joining me today it's been a oh, lot of fun it's been great fun yeah to hang out with you guys again and thanks to our listeners for tuning in and until next week, goodbye. Bye-bye. Goodbye. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time. But until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at theesp.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu, and like us on Facebook. 
I don't know how you can believe. Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man. <laughs> what? <laughs> what was that? <laughs> clear, clear sabotage. Who was a French uh, physician and um, That's going to be good. <laughs> As a physician and... <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll start again. Who was a French physician and repute and... Um, he became uh, best known for his book, Les, Les Prophétis. Now we test your French uh, knowledge here. That's interesting. Uh, he recently had a prel... Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Sorry for the little intermission there. <laughs>